You're listening to the Teak Nation Podcast, where we strive to educate, inspire, and entertain you with tips and lessons from frauders and friends of TKE. Welcome, 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 Teak Nation Podcast. It is Monday, March 8th, Wednesday, March 10th, release date, and then you're probably listening to it somewhere after that. Teak Nation Podcast. Yeah, I was listening, but before we get going here, uh, I think it was last week or the week before, I, I remember you You always like to do that. We, we're, we're recording on Monday, we're releasing on Wednesday, and basically you're listening to us on Wednesday, and it was like a Saturday I was listening, I thought... You know, if we do this every single week, we're essentially insulting everyone who doesn't listen the day that it actually releases. Well, so I'm glad you said release. I've adjusted. That was good. I've learned. Right. I got a lot That's of listener adapt. feedback from people just like you who were listening on that. Adapt, Saturday. evolve. You said, yeah. and you said, I feel excluded. So, um, yeah, uh, for all of our listeners, regardless of when you're listening to this, thank you from the bottom of my heart. It's a very special episode of the Teak Nation podcast because we are, well, I am on location for the first time in our recording history. I am here in the great state of Louisiana, Baton Rouge. And I think the question that all of our listeners are dying to know right now is, are we going to do this entire podcast as coach Ed Orgeron of the LSU Tigers? No Tigers. There's one. Is that, and that's and that's all we're getting. Yeah, I think you, you want to keep the people always wanting mowers is, is what I understand from show business. All right. Well, that maybe a missed opportunity. We'll hear back. I'm not going to be in Louisiana next week, so this is this is our one and only shot. You don't by chance know where Ed Orgeron is because that would be a phenomenal guest spot. I mean, we we could even kick don't don't tell him this. We could even kick Zach off of his spot if you do have Ed Orgeron. He I, can talk, I he can talk about recruiting all day long. Not not I, this year, but previous years. That's true. Yeah, that that, that, that there's actually a lot of good tie-ins there. Um, I don't know where he is. I know that he is not in room 307 of the uh, Baton Rouge Hyatt place, which is going to prevent us from speaking to him here this morning. But uh, but yeah, big Coach O guy. So Coach O, if you're listening, we appreciate you. Whether you're listening on a Wednesday, a Friday, a Sunday, um, whenever that is, thank you for your appreciation of the teak nation podcast so um yeah it's uh life on the road we're we're right back at it uh i told you donnie had some raising canes at 10 o'clock last night so um this is this is the life that we chose the the road warriors way of life and it's uh well it's not healthy and it's not particularly good for your heart or your digestive tract but can be enjoyable at, at different points at different times well i think it's important you'd like to you like to be humble but you did get up this morning and already work out that's for a run that's in the greater Baton Rouge area? I did. I, I went for a little jog. There's a nice little creek. Uh, kept my eye out for gators. Did not spot any. Might be a little too early for gators. But, um, yeah, there's there's a trail. Runs along. We're, we're right across from the Mall of Louisiana. For those of you who know where that is, it is the Mall of Louisiana. So it's probably not hard to find on a map. So, yeah, just went for a little jog. Tried to work off some of that, uh, some of that cane sauce and a few of those chicken fingers. In the wee hours of today, and uh, we're, we're going to try and keep it going. I got a couple accountability buddies here on the trip with me. Santos will probably be popping through that door at some point, and we'll be surprised to learn that he's uh, going to be a quick guest feature on the, this week's Teak Nation podcast. But um, yeah, it's it's uh, it's tough, as you know, staying fit and trim when you're out traveling. 
It actually ties in really well with, with where we're going to take this episode, which is with our special guest today, Charlie Reagan. We're going to bring in Charlie in a little bit. And Charlie, uh, I don't actually know. We're going to ask him because uh, I feel it's important. Has lost a ton of, of weight in the last year, year and a half. And uh, we thought it would, you know, as we continue to try and bring in alumni that are doing big things that are out there killing their goals and various walks of life, thought it would be a really good opportunity to bring in Charlie and let him talk a little bit about his journey, uh, you know, the challenges he's faced. And hopefully we can all walk away from that conversation with a little more understanding and a little more drive to go hit our fitness goals because it is March. And by this point, what would you say? 99.87% of New Year's resolutions have been abandoned. So uh, if we can get Charlie in to, to talk people back up on the horse, I think that's a good win. Yeah, Charlie is an inspiration. Charlie's also a, a GPA, someone who's yep. very highly involved, someone who is also a Leadership Academy grad, had a great collegiate experience, and someone who's continued to live fraternity for life as a as he's still a very, very young frauder in his, I think, mid-20s or so. So uh, very dynamic guy and excited to hear his message and, and really his journey because you, you talk about it, and I won't steal it, how much weight he has lost. He really is committed to routine. He's uh, also been very active in posting that routine. I know on Instagram, it feels like about every single day he's posting on there something he's doing, which obviously is an outward commitment for people to see. That's the hardest one, right, for people to see your work and what you're doing. Yeah, I mean, he uh, he posted the before and after pick shirtless too, which takes a lot of a lot of cojones to throw yourself out there. Uh, I'm not taking my shirt off on this podcast recording right now, so uh, props to Charlie for that too. We'll have to have to pick his brain on the the thought process and you know what his uh, what went through his mind and and how you talk yourself into something like that because it's it's no small feat. Other other news that I know uh, this is a continuation on some previous podcasts. I did get my hands on a, an NBA Top Shot pack. It was uh, it was the All Stars pack, uh, fourteen dollars. I pulled a Caleb Martin, which give you a hundred dollars if you could tell me what team he plays for. Not a chance. I, did, I know I know he went to University of Nevada. Say, so and I follow the NBA very, very regularly. I have no idea who Caleb Martin is. I think he, I think he plays for Charlotte. I think, or maybe the Grizzlies. A lot of people play for Charlotte and the Grizzlies that that I don't know what team they play for. Anyway, uh, Caleb Martin uh, pulled a uh, Bradley Beal, which was nice. You know, Bradley Beal's a pretty good player, and then a uh, Zach Levine dunk. So uh, TBD on the value of those top shots, but I did finally get a pack and uh, opened it. And I was, well, not disappointed, but not extremely overjoyed. Was really hoping for a Zion. That's really all this comes down to is how can I get my hands on Zion top shot? The answer right now is pay $600, which I'm not about to do, but that might change. We'll see. Did you watch the All-Star game last night? Uh, yeah, bits and pieces of it while I was smashing my chicken fingers. Hmm. I, I got lucky to watch the one stretch when Steph Curry and uh, Lillard were just shooting half court shots one after another yeah. on the same team and basically hitting every single one of them. Yeah, right good. at the end of the first half. That was pretty, yeah, it was a good run. Cool. That's cool. I, I wish I could do that. Wouldn't be sitting here on this podcast if I could. What? <laughs> Nothing. I I, mean, I agree with you. It's factual. I'm gonna, all right. I'm not going to dispute it. You're right. If you could hit shots like that, you would be an NBA All Star, and you would not be sitting here on this podcast unless you'd be a phenomenal guest to come to the podcast, which out of respect for your fraternal obligations, you would think you would do easily. 
I would be honored to be a guest on the TK Nation podcast if I was uh, an NBA all-star. Absolutely. Yeah, there's there's no doubt in my mind. I don't know why people like Aaron Rodgers and, and Terry Bradshaw and Phil Sims aren't just banging our door down trying to get on this hey, show. Nothing but upside. It can happen. All we trying to build a brand. Speak it into existence here. Speaking of knocking the door down, Santos Lara, uh, we're recording the podcast. Do you have anything to say to the people? Hey, guys. He said, he said, hey, guys, sorry. Well, let me tell you something else. If you were an NBA All-Star, I doubt you'd be rooming with Santos at the Hyatt place in Baton Rouge right now. That's how you stay humble. You got you to gotta remember your roots and really – you never get too big for the Hyatt place. That's my motto in life. I have it up on, I have it up on a whiteboard in my office. Never, never outgrow the Hyatt place. Hyatt place is high-end for talk about Epsilon professional yeah. staff. How about couch in my room? One other thing, uh, at a minimum, if I could – make shots from half court regularly like Steph Curry, we would never lose that leadership academy. I know that's the baseline for where I would take this skill and then nowhere to go but up. Well, and this, most folks will don't know what we're talking about, but uh, let's bring them in. The court at leadership academy is actually not even big enough to shoot a half, a, a, a literal half court shot. That Correct. Would be on the yeah. So it's really just a deep three. That's all you gotta do at leadership academy. Just hit the deep three. Right. Yeah. So I, I, I've been practicing half court my whole life and turns out I, I need to just take four or five steps in. Hey, that's a rule. I, I was teaching my seven-year-old son this weekend, shoot closer. Then you can work on shooting threes, right? He wants, because of Steph Curry. Steph Curry. Run, yeah. He wants to get down and shoot threes when he can't get it there and sure, surely can't shoot it very accurately. So I told him, let's just spend a month shooting 10, 12 footers. Then you can work your way back out there. But Let's get good close first, then we can start backing out and doing all the fancy stuff. There's a lot of parallels there when we get into recruitment talk again, right? We want to get fancy instead of doing the basics, the fundamentals. Has Steph Curry ruined basketball? I think we, we should oh. embrace debate. And oh! I did. Uh, this is a Leadership Academy and Steph Curry tie-in. I remember this vividly. Uh, we were at Leadership Academy during the NBA Finals one year out in Colorado Springs, and we were at, we were at dinner and there was this 12 or 13 year old kid who was wearing a Steph Curry jersey. And it was when the, it was one of the four years in a row they were playing LeBron and the Cavs. And uh, he was walking out in the parking lot. And I just, I don't know why I felt the need to do it, but I just yelled bandwagon at him. And then he, he flipped me off, 12 year old kid. So I probably should have been the bigger person there and not oh, yelled bandwagon. Yeah, there's a whole breakdown we could do here. So you're at Leadership Academy where you're supposed to be promoting the highest. I know. Well, of it, was, it was technically you're before the program started. Kid. You're yelling at a 12-year-old kid. It was my last guilty pleasure moment before we really dove into the weekend. There's so much to unpack there. Let's just, just move on. You got you, well. You love you, you love stories. Take, you so there's a story. Week. Yeah, when you get some free time out there, which I know you, you're you're gonna have an abundance. That's sarcasm. Maybe take another jog down one of those trails and just think about where, where you come and, and where you want to go. If by an abundance of free time, you mean an abundance of boiled crawfish, you are correct. It's, yeah. it's crawfish season. I know that the reason you're going to spend most of your time down there is, is with the great folks at LSU and helping that high-level chapter continue to grow and promote the values and dominate that campus. Yeah, you talked about um, recruiting – recruiting basics versus getting fancy we actually we talked to those guys last night and they what they have 46 47 new members this year and uh we were talking to them about their recruitment process and what they do and their president liam 
he was, he essentially said, it's hard for me to explain to people why we're successful at recruitment because all it is is just being normal dudes and making friends. Like there's no magic pill. There's no super secret formula that they're doing that no one else is doing. He said, literally, we just have all our guys be normal social individuals. And when a potential new member comes open, we make it a point to make them feel welcome and included in our chapter and they want to join us. And he's like, so, so I think he was uh, part of the RLC uh, panel. And I think you asked him, you know, how they were so successful. And he said, that was really hard for me to articulate because I don't feel like we do anything special. We're just normal guys who try and go get more normal guys to be a part of our chapter. So it, go, it does for all the uh, roundabout that we have just taken around this topic, it is very accurate when it comes to recruitment. Like there is no special formula. You just have to just have to make friends and strike up conversations. Well, yes and no. So I would encourage everybody who's listening, or if you're a volunteer, hopefully you'll do it for yourself and then share it with every group that you engage with for folks to do the fired up training at teak.org slash fired up P H I R E D U P.com. And so the thing about the fired up training, they talk about this concept, which is to be normal, right? But they also walk through the process and how you have discussions and how you, you, you put recruits together. So for instance, we were talking about LSU, we are talking about Ed Orgeron, right? They talk about five-star recruits and the five most important aspects of your chapter and listing those out. And then looking at each potential new member do they, do they meet all five of those stars? Are they a three-star recruit? Are they four-star, five-star, right? Because one of them is probably academics. They talk about integrity and brotherhood. And there's all these different aspects that you want to line out for your specific group. So you're right in terms of you have to be a normal person. So you're not putting on some act for one week, but there is a strategy. There is a lot of work that goes into recruiting at the highest levels. And I know for myself, I, there's, there's eight modules in the fired up training. I've completed seven, just completed number seven before we jumped on this. So even members of our team are going through that training to, to learn even more and to get better. And that's the thing that I would highlight for any of these groups that are arrogant enough to think, I don't need to get better. Respectfully, we've all got to humble ourselves. You and I have been through a lot of recruitments from our own when we were collegiates all those years to also being a part of the staff for years and years and years. We are still trying to hone in our skills and learn from the best coaches in how we can get better. That is what that is, if you want to climb the mountain, if you want to be extremely successful, that's the mentality you have to have. Where can I always get better, polish myself? Again, teak.org slash fired up. Go get better. Yeah, the, I would say the quickest way to not hit your recruitment goals or to grow as a chapter is just to throw your hands up and say, we did our best. There's nothing else we could do. There's always something else you could do, and there's always more opportunity. I think about groups right now like Virginia Tech, who you and I, Donnie, had a conversation with their officers in September, October, maybe, and they were concerned that half their chapter was going to deactivate because of COVID, and they were only going to be able to recruit 15 or 20 guys. They got 27 guys in the fall. They got another 20 this spring, just because they tried, just because they went out and put the effort out there. But yeah, I, I think what you were saying about you have to you have to be regimented, you have to build a plan, you have to have an understanding and, and a goal and uh, buy-in from the chapter. But then when it comes down to the actual execution of the plan, I think that's where what Liam was saying is, is accurate, where there's no special, like there's no 
five magic words that you say to a potential new member and he's like yeah i want to join your chapter there's no you know super secret restaurant that you have to take a recruit to like oh we, we only close deals at McAllister's. like no that doesn't exist out there you you just make friends and convince guys that they want to be a part of this group by the way that you live your lives by the the values that you have by your presence on campus and and that's how these large groups like Virginia Tech, LSU, USC, uh, University of Wisconsin, Auburn, like the, those that come to mind, Washington State's another one. That's how they grow so large is just by creating a culture where everyone recruits and everyone interacts with new members and people just want to be a part of that. It's not a, oh, because we had, you know, we got Papa John's last year and, and didn't do so hot. So we're going to try Pizza Hut this year. And, and we think Pizza Hut's going to make all the difference in the world. Like, no, it's what kind of pizza you get doesn't matter. Who's in the room when they're eating the pizza? That's what makes it different. Well, and so much of this, and, and obviously it ties into much more than recruitment, but as we're having this recruitment conversation, is around mentality. So you can find just as many excuses as you can reasons, right? And, and most folks, they want to find all of the excuses versus solutions. And, and that's, that's the aspect that we have to, as an organization, frankly, as we want to move forward in life, not just right, right here in, in this recruitment conversation, but finding solutions. And this time, the groups that are going to evolve and grow are the ones that are going to find solutions and find ways to push through restrictions, find ways to push through. And that doesn't mean breaking them, right? That means working around them. And the conversation should be, what can we do? Because many times it's all the things, what can't we do? What can we do? And I guarantee you, if you want to sit down and actually push on that, you can create a pretty decent list, maybe a very, very robust list of all the things that you can do during recruitment, all the things that you can do to keep the brotherhood strong, all the things that you can do to put yourself in a position as we come out of the pandemic. Because I'll tell you, we're having this conversation with you sitting at LSU. We are starting to see, we're starting to see things bounce back in, in certain ways. The, the, obviously the vaccines are starting to get distributed more and more. I'm seeing timelines of May or June where they expect, expect vaccination rates to be much, much higher. We can start to get to some version of normalcy you start thinking about the fall, the fall is gonna be here in five minutes, right? We're gonna be in the fall of 2021, starting to think about universities firing back up and recruitment and, and more of, of what we have come to know as normalcy. But even with that said, you're gonna have folks who haven't gone through normal recruitment in 18 months, right? It's, it's word a year in the pandemic right now. Gonna have another six months before we actually get towards normalcy. So we've gotta do the work now and be focused on the mentality of solutions now to be prepared six months from now, whenever we can start to, to get after it in that way. But right now there's all these great men and all these great folks who should be in our family that if we're willing to put in the time, effort and creativity, we can bring them in now. Yeah, and, and that's, I'm curious to get Zach's thoughts on that too. We're gonna bring him in here in a few minutes because I know that's, that's one area that he's very passionate about right now is, okay, right, you didn't hit your goals. Maybe your second rush didn't go well either. There are still things, there, there is no point in the year when you can just turn off the recruiting switch and say, we'll deal with it later. Regardless of if you got 50 this year or five this year, there are things that you need, not that you should be doing, not that you can be doing, that you need to be doing right now in the middle of March to prepare for the fall of 2021. So uh, excited to, to get him in here, talk a little bit more about that as well, because it's, it's very relevant right now. And it's the spot where a lot of our groups are. And I know a lot of our alumni and our volunteers listen to this as well. And, and that's where, that's where the alumni role, frankly, is the most crucial when it comes to the future planning, when it comes to forecasting, because 
at times college students, they, and I think we were all the same way, you get wrapped up in what's going on in the now. You get wrapped up in classes and tests and homework and in current teak things and dealing with risk management issues or whatever that is. It's the advisor's role to look at the big picture and to look forward. And so the more active our advisors and our volunteers can be in, in looking at the summer, looking at the fall, the more successful the groups that you advise are going to be. And, and that's, that's where we need to retrain our mindset a little bit because that hasn't always been the case. All right, before we get to Zach, uh, we are gonna, we're gonna shift back to rule of three here because I know that uh, it's everyone's favorite segment and I wouldn't wanna skip it. In the spirit of Charlie coming in with us and in the spirit of, of me just going for a jog this morning, I want to I want to talk about a little physical fitness rule of three. So, uh, Donnie, what are your three favorite ways? Could be an exercise, could be a type of training. Your th- three favorite ways to maintain your physical fitness. I will say the three three exercises would be squats, sleds, mm. and hanging abs, which will just rip you. Rip you to shreds, the old hanging abs. Hanging abs. Is that where you hang upside down and try and do sit-ups? No, there's I've never done. I've never done one hanging ab in my life. Okay, so there's these sleeves, and you put your arms in them so that you're up to your elbows. And so you're hanging, essentially, with your elbows at a 90-degree angle on your body weight, right? And then all you do is take your your legs, and you bring your knees up to the top of your, you know, to your waist. So you're just lifting your knees up, down, up, down. And so you're, but you're hanging there. So you're just, it's shred drafts. I see. It's, so it's a little bit like that, uh, that Cirque, de, Cirque de Soleil performance uh, on Thanksgiving when Creed was singing, Can You Take Me Higher? And those guys were wrapped up in the, the bed sheets swinging around, the shirtless guys with the baggy pants. It's a little you know, bit I, like I that. Miss, I missed that Creed performance like I missed Oh, you did not. You know exactly what I'm talking about. I think between the two of us, we know who's listening to Creed. But... I love Creed. It sounds, it sounds similar when you describe it. All right. Uh, the other, cool. if we had to add a bonus, and I know you like to add a bonus here and there for the cardio that, that we'd like to do in, in some of our classes that I'm a part of in the mornings, definitely suicides. Hated them. Mm. Hated them playing basketball. Hated them growing up. But I got to tell you, they're great for you. Burst of speed, explosion. That's, oh, big, yeah. that's a big piece, right? Box jumps, another great opportunity for explosion. Things that you can do, fast, short bursts. That's what gets the heart going. That's what uh, helps to get you feeling good, sweating, all that good stuff. Just like last week when I had like seven favorite cities. Now you have like oh, six favorite oh, exercises. Yeah. This, in this, I could go. You could I have do, your own workout podcast. I can do 25 favorite exercises. I'm, I'm blessed. I got some great people I get to work out with. My three, uh, I actually have adjusted this morning uh, thinking about this a little more. I was going to go more exercises. I'm going to shift to, to activities. So my three favorite ways to, to maintain physical fitness which uh, I do to varying degrees of success throughout the course of the year. Number one is jogging, just running. Uh, I think everyone for the most part knows that I enjoy running from time to time. I did set a goal at the beginning of the year to run a thousand miles this year. I am on track to hit that goal. I'm uh, about 200 miles in so far. So I'm, I'm on pace. I'm feeling pretty good about that. Number two is basketball uh, because a, it's just fun to play. I'm really bad at it, but that's okay. But to your point, there's a lot of jumping, cutting, agility. It's not just, you know, the the long distance jogs. That's one thing. Basketball, I always 
can tell the morning after I played basketball the first time in a year, a bunch of muscles hurt that I didn't even realize I had because you're using all sorts of different muscles that uh, you're, you're not using throughout the course of, of your normal day. So basketball is a great activity, whether it's half court, full court, just because of all the different exercises you're doing. Um, and then lastly, uh, I'm going to go like a, like a slash here. I'm going to go racquetball slash tennis. Those two sports are just killers when it comes to staying in shape for a lot of the same reasons basketball is, but they require a ton of endurance because they're longer sports. You can't just, you, you get little breaks in between serves, but there's no long drawn out break. Um, cutting, running, jumping, you're using your arms, using your legs. So I think racquetball and tennis are, are both really solid exercises. I haven't played racquetball in a long, long time. And I really, really miss it because I enjoy it. I was pretty good at it. I'm a lot better at racquetball than I am at basketball. Did you ever play racquetball in college? Old Franklin College racquetball courts? No, I played, yes, uh, now. I played a lot of tennis in high school. Mm. Good activity. I always uh, uh, think that tennis players and soccer players are the two best. This is probably another embrace debate. Two best athletes of sports. Soccer, because you just have to, you have to be you have to be able to run seven miles in 90 minutes while also sprinting at world-class speeds and jumping at world-class heights. And then um, tennis, because you, I mean, some of those tennis matches last four or five hours and there's, there's no escape. There's no halftime. There's no, you know, significant breaks. So tennis and soccer players, a lot of respect for those guys. Yeah. One of my best friends growing up, we played, uh, we played high school doubles together. So had a lot of fun, not as much running, which is nice. And also, Mm -hmm. If you're the guy at the net, you can have a lot of fun just trying to s- smash overheads. So. Plus, when things go wrong, you have someone else to blame. You know, it's not a, it's not like an individual deal. I got to tell you, it's more entertaining for those who know me than those who don't. But uh, myself and this person did have a few uh, discussions on altercations. Yes, people like to come and watch us because they would watch us get after it because we were both ultra, ultra competitive, and so it made us better. But. We did have a, a little bit of fun, and then it throws the other team off their game. Like, are they going to fight with each other? Do they really want to beat us, right? And before they know it, boom, victory. Yeah, these guys hate each other. Right, and then they re- realize we're actually best friends. So, Catch them off guard. All right, we're, uh, that's good rule three. Pat myself on the back for that one. And you, pat yourself on the so, back. Hey, that's, a, that's a great road performance out of you. Way to go. <laughs> got to be able to get up for the road games, too. We're going to bring in, uh, got to bring in Zach Scott now. Uh, this is actually, this is going to be interesting because the segment is where in the world is Zach Scott. As we know, he, he's only left his living room twice in the last three months. And, and now I'm, I'm the one who's somewhere else, Zach. So well, 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 how the turntables here. Yeah. I was going to say, we got to, we got to find out where in the world Al is this time. Uh, we've, we've, we've already discussed it ad nauseum. Just shouted out coach. O. talked about Gators. You yeah, basically, I'm the only person who's not near a golf. Yeah, I'm the only person not near a golf right now. So that's true. How's uh, How's Tampa? It's good actually. I, uh, if we had had this call uh, only a few days ago, I would have been in Miami at the time. So it's uh, it's good here though in, in the state of Florida. And that's a great place to start and jump from, Zach. How is the expansion at the U going? I'm sure many folks, listeners out there, don't even know that we are still having expansions, right? We're still growing this organization down there at the U. 
Yeah, it's, it's good. I, I think the goal is to be at 20 plus by Wednesday to Friday. So um, our listeners can, can hold us accountable and, and check back in with that. And maybe we can get a, a live update um, next week, but yeah, they're, uh, they're good. I, I got a chance to interact with obviously PJ, our expansion coordinator down there. So shout out to him. Um, but also the group of, of guys that are currently already in, I think it's like 11, 12, I'm not sure if any other bids had been accepted um, this time this morning, but uh, yeah, they're, they're doing well. Um, it reminds me a lot of uh, my own university experience in a lot of ways, but um, I think a lot, a very high caliber student that's down there. Um, a lot of people that want to forge their own path and just determining what that is and glad to, glad to be back at that campus and expect big things out of that group this semester even. Um, but of course, moving forward um, and seeing what, what they're able to accomplish. Yeah, it's always always fun to get back on those those big name schools, right? The the SECs, the ACCs, the Big Tens. Obviously, we we love all of our expansions equally, but um, the uh, those big name schools those carry a little extra weight. So it's good to good to hear things are going well down there. The the question that we wanted to bring up for you, other than that, uh, something we talked about a little bit earlier was groups who, uh, groups who are maybe lagging behind a little bit in recruitment right now, whether through their own fault or whether through external factors. I know one of the areas that you are very passionate about currently is how can we plan for the summer and the fall? Okay, right, spring recruitment has wrapped up in a lot of campuses, maybe even second rush has wrapped up, we're educating new members but we can't flip that recruitment switch off. Where should our members' minds be on recruitment right now if they're done with spring recruitment and maybe they think they have a little break in recruitment period? What should they be thinking about for the summer and for the fall? Yeah, I think there's a couple things in there. Um, one of the big ones is the education of the new members that you have on recruitment practices. Um, I, I've say it like every week, I, I believe the the fired up certification course um, until everybody does it, I'm going to keep hyping it up, but that is a really great way to, to get the new members, um, get them that understanding of what recruitment needs to look like. Um, and again, to continue pushing your own active membership to do that. Um, another piece is relationships. There's never, there's never a time to hit an off switch when it comes to building more and new relationships, whether you're seeking referrals from the sororities and other clubs and organizations on campus whether you're reaching out to your academic advisor and asking if they know a student that um, aligns with the values of academics, um, service, family, any of those things, and just leveraging your network, right, to, to prepare for the future and find ways to get involved, right? I'll, I think a big piece that we lost out on over this, this past year was those orientation teams, those move-in teams, a lot of those pieces, those things Oftentimes you, you already had your window to, to sign up for them in like November to, um, to March, but um, see if there's still an opportunity to get into there. And that's a really easy way to meet, meet people, but start laying that, that path for yourself. Now um, you should have been doing it right. Again, it, there's never a bad time to prepare, but find ways that you can slide into that, those pieces and prepare for, for that future. Whenever, orientation, whatever that's going to look like. Is it still going to be online? Um, are there going to be moving teams? Do that homework and prepare yourself because it'll, again, it'll be, it'll make your life a lot easier. I was just on a call with Cal State East Bay last night. And the idea is to grind and now put in all the work and all the training and 
learn how to build relationships now because if you can do it virtually and get some of those the cobwebs out now and prepare yourself future you will thank you um, pretty heavily you become that much better you get the repetitions in now so that way prepare yourself for for the fall um in the summer recruitment and it can't be stated enough that there's always something new to to try out a new page to turn zach what are What's your favorite lesson from the fired up training? I, I did some promotion myself earlier before we brought you on. And I talked about uh, the fact that I'm through seven of the eight modules. So got through module seven this morning, got one more to go. And one piece that I really like, you and I are big sports guys as is Al. So the five star recruits and, you know, listing out what are the five important pieces and then identifying that it, it really puts structure to unfortunately what is most times an unstructured environment because we think, hey, we just know how to talk to guys and you know we'll figure out who the quality get and that's not going to draw in the best people. It's going to draw in you get everybody gets you know some great folks that are part of the organization, but if you really want to bring in you know boatloads of folks who want to come and be part of Greek life and come and be part of Teak, you got to have a, a better process than that. So what what's your favorite lesson that you saw through Fired Up? Yeah, I think the one that. I often hear, um, and it, it sticks with me a lot, is is the idea of, of the workhorses. Um, that one is a really big piece, and I think a lot of guys oftentimes will say, I want 100% of our chapter to be involved in recruitment, and anything outside of that is unacceptable. And that's a really hard thing to, to get accomplished, unless you're like a 10-man chapter and you need everybody on uh, all hands on deck. It's extremely difficult, but you can think of who you're – again, those five-star, just the same way as you think of five-star recruits – five-star chapter brothers who are wanting to engage, everybody has to do something, right? But not everybody needs to be out there building the relationship directly. They do need to be willing to, to grab coffee or to hop on a Zoom meeting and, and do DoorDash over, over Zoom or whatever it may be. But there are only going to be so many guys who can direct those relationships. And hopefully you have a lot of those workhorses, right? The bigger your group is, the more availability there is. But that idea of the guys who are your, your studs, your the people who embody the values of your, your organization the most getting out there and, and really building the fraternity, I think is, is a really big piece. Um, the only other one is the funnel. And I know a lot of guys on our staff love that idea. What do you, what do you think about creativity and innovation? How important is that going to be not just now, but even into the future, because that's what I, I, and I talked a little bit about mindset earlier before you jumped on, but I think that that is a big aspect of, when it comes to how we're having the conversations, you talk about utilizing resources, the funnel, all that good stuff, how we can be creative and innovative in how we're sharing our messaging, types of conversations we're having, the, even the experience of what Talk App Epsilon is. It's not just, hey, we need to focus on bringing in new members, which obviously that's a big part of this conversation. How about the also retention aspect? Because now's the time of year we have to start thinking about, are we, do we have a good enough product that our members who are in right now are going to want to be part of the fraternity when they come back? next fall, no matter if they're going to be a sophomore, junior, senior, fifth year, eighth year, 12th year person, do they still want to be in talk at Epsilon? Have you put a good enough product out there that they want to buy? Yeah, I think that creativity and innovation, right? Those tie directly into the recruitment spirit. You have to be willing to try new things. You have to be willing to, to put in extra work. It's that entrepreneurial spirit, really. Um, being able to start something from really nothing every year, right? And hopefully you have systems, right? A lot of guys have talked about systems outlasting talent. Um, I, I know that Kyle out at Ryder, shout out to you, um, throwing that in our little fired up debrief um, a few weeks back. But that innovation and creativity, there's, 
I mean, it's, it's so important to being able to accomplish recruitment of coming up with new ideas, right? Getting outside of the, outside of your comfort zone a little, talking to a few more guys, um, thinking of a few more organizations you can reach out to. And yeah, it's, it's so critical and so important. I think it oftentimes get overshadowed by a lot of these other pieces. Um, but being able to think of something new and find new ways to, to get to people, I, I, that's where my mind goes. That's, that's so important because people always are like, oh, that, that pipeline is, um, is no good or that pipeline's dried up or that pipeline's for another organization. But why? Why, why haven't, we, haven't we tried to at least establish something? If you get one guy out of it, there's opportunity um, to then get two or three more guys later on down the road. Yeah, shout, shout out to the funnel. That is, uh, figure I might as well share my favorite part. I, I just the concept of you need to load that funnel up. You can't just can't just put t- uh, fifteen guys in a names list and expect to be able to get bids to twelve of them and ten of them accept. Doesn't work like that, right? You need 100, 200, 300 guys at the top of that funnel, and then that's what turns into your your fifteen twenty man pledge class. So, uh, I think. A lot of groups could benefit from widening the mouth of that funnel and, and really diving in and, and getting more people engaged at the beginning of the process. All right, Zachary, we appreciate the time. Uh, appreciate the update on the U and uh, all the recruitment wisdom as always. That's right. Go get you, go get you your, uh, your turn with the turnover chain and we uh, we'll, we'll catch you next week, my friend. Awesome. Stay safe in Louisiana and uh, Donnie, stay, stay warm in Indianapolis. Thanks, Zach. Appreciate you. Adios. See ya. It's good talk with Zach. We're lucky to have him. Always a great talk with Zach. Going to move on now from one guest to another and bring in Frauder Charlie. Frauder Charlie Reagan. Charlie is a graduate of Clarkson University, Iota Kappa chapter. He is a Leadership Academy graduate, which we always love talking to Leadership Academy guys. He's also the Grand Province Advisor of the Catskill Province. Um, but the reason that Charlie's here and the reason that we have hyped him up so far this episode is because he is a fitness aficionado. So with that, Charlie, uh, I want to start with this. One of the things you always are, are told when you're talking to somebody is you got to establish credibility. Let's establish credibility here. How many pounds have you actually shed in the last uh, whatever time frame it's been? Yeah, what's going on? So yeah, so since January 20th, I have lost of 20, uh, 2020, lost 91 pounds uh, all the way up through December. And I'm actually going back the opposite way right now. On purpose? Yeah, on purpose, on purpose. That's how you know you got control of your fitness when you're purposefully gaining weight. I don't, I don't think that I've gotten to that point yet. Well, I believe he means he's purposely gaining muscle. He's not sitting around, I'm guessing, eating chips and Cheetos and. I thought, I thought Donnie's got it right. I thought bulking season was over though. I thought this was cutting season now. Yeah, you gotta get, you gotta get lean for spring, lean for spring, baby. I don't, I don't conform to certain time frames. I do what I want to do to meet my goals, right? Bulking season. Well, I, I go the Cheetos and peanut butter M&M's route when I purposefully gain weight. But Hey, I love a good good cookie, half-pound cookie for breakfast. Mm, great. Half-pound cookie for breakfast? Oh, yeah. Now, well, now we got to reestablish credibility, Charlie. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, uh, so, so obviously, that's phenomenal and, and 
I've told you that you look great multiple times, and uh, I'm sure many people have told you that. At what point was it, you said you started this journey January 2020, like at what point was it that you were like, holy crap, like I need to get a handle on this and get serious about it, like it's time to make a change? So I kind of made that decision uh, for, for two reasons. One that was immediately uh, visible to me. So I went on a vacation with my family um, just before um, January 20th. And we had gone out to Island of Curacao out in the ABC Islands and, you know, all over the place. And, you know, I had a really great time. Um, but kind of two things uh, on that trip kind of stood out to me. Uh, one, going there. I'm a very, very white Irishman. Um, so I used the excuse that, hey, uh, I'm not going to take uh, take my shirt off the entire time walking around the beaches or doing whatever uh, because I don't want to get burnt. Realistically, that was not why. Uh, I just did not feel comfortable uh, walking around without a shirt on, really in anything. That was the entire, entire time I was there. Um, but the more major one that kind of really made me sit down and think and and truly make that decision to, to make a change was I was sitting, uh, I got back and looked through some of the pictures that my brother and I had taken, uh, went on a awesome ATV ride across the island. It was really cool. Um, got some awesome pictures and uh, those pictures turned out to be not so awesome. Uh, I went to take, take a look at them. I was going to go post them, show all the friends, you know, the cool, cool stuff we did. And I couldn't even really bear to look at them, uh, to be honest. And so that's kind of initially where, where the thought came into my head. Like I need to, I need to get myself under control. Um, I've never been fit by any means, uh, but I've never been as overweight uh, per se as I was. So Charlie, I, I love you being vulnerable and, and opening up to us. I'm, I'm interested on I can only imagine there's been many times where you thought about, I'm going to start getting in better shape. I'm going to start, you know, making changes. Obviously this had an emotional attachment. What were the things, you know, I love to talk about mentality. What were the things mentally that you had to go through as you started this journey on January 20th? I can only imagine what it was like to want to get up on January 25th per se, or February 4th, or right as you go through how, how important was you, the mentality in this experience, this journey that you've had from January 20th, 2020 to now March 8th, 2021? You can't, you can't understate um, the importance of the mentality. Um, I can't tell you that, you know, I, I came out of it right out of the gates with uh, I'm going to, you know, kick butt all the way through the year. Um, really just kind of got to the point where, like you said, you know, you had to, you know, use that emotion to, to really start to fuel. So that's kind of what I did first off was, was just to use that, use that emotion um, to fuel myself, to, to get up every day, get moving um, and really just kind of stick with it. So, you know, to start, I started off doing at home stuff because I really wasn't comfortable with going to a gym and, you know, being seen at the gym. Uh, and then eventually kind of got to a point where I worked up to it and got, got a little bit more confidence to go and go into the gym. Um, and kind of as that happened, right, as you, as you see some progress, as you, you know, get to doing the work where you're, um, you know, kind of getting used to some of the movements in terms of being in the gym, starting to understand how to actually pay attention to food and, and keep track of your food, 
um, you know, you gain a little bit more confidence as you go along. Um, but throughout the year, definitely, um, you know, after that first three-ish months or so, um, after you begin to see progress or after I began to see progress, I started to, you know, really had to start to key in on, um, you know, the true mentality of I can do this and I can reach not only the goal that I originally set for myself, but I can reach a new goal. I can go further. Um, that's when you have to start to think about, you know, like, uh, a staying power per se mentality. You, you got into it a little bit, but I'm curious uh, if you could dive in a little more into the, the actual methodology of what you did, right? The, the exercise routine, the, the food, you know, what you're putting into your body, you know, how did you, for lack of a better term, right? How did you lose the 91 pounds? What was your strategy and what were those changes that you made? Sure. So yeah, um, really just the strategy from the beginning was just to start. Uh, that's something that a lot of people will get hung up on is just overcomplicating it per se to be, um, oh, I need to have all of my food tracked and planned out and um, meal prep. I hate meal prepping. I don't meal prep. Um, you know, when you first start on that kind of journey, a lot of folks, including myself, think you need to go meal prep. You need to go and actually, um, you know, go the whole nine yards when realistically all you have to do is start, um, which can mean a couple of different things, right? Just as long as you're having some way to manage your intake food-wise, nutrition-wise, whether it's using a measuring cup or literally just looking at food with your eyes and saying, that's a cup of pasta or whatever, um, it's starting somewhere and then kind of fine tuning as you go. And then same deal with workouts, um, you know, whatever you feel comfortable with to start. If you can't, weightlift, run. If you can't run, walk. If you can't walk, make your trip to wherever you're going uh, a little bit longer in terms of like your walking distance. So was a bigger focus on the food in Charlie, because I, I can only assume that was a really important aspect of, of this journey. Was it more in terms of what you ate or how much you ate, which was the bigger focus early on the portions or the actual types of food you were eating? Um, how much? So First, first thought, like first take, like I said, overanalyzing um, was I needed to clear my entire fridge out and completely start fresh. Uh, that highly do not recommend. You can uh, eat per se, whatever you want to, so long as it kind of fits um, and you're, you're, you're eating less of it, right? Uh, in moderation, I know it's an overly used term, but in moderation is, uh, is really the key there of controlling how much of food it is that you eat you know I used to eat an entire box of pasta for dinner I'm gonna be honest there I love pasta and then just kind of controlling that um, like I said measuring it out whether with eyes with a measuring cup with a food scale etc and then just kind of moving forward from there and as you're going down making that amount smaller and smaller down the road um, with minuscule adjustments as you go was more important than really kind of the specific type of food and eating all the different vegetables in the world, et cetera. How important was building a sense of community? For those who don't know, you've been posting, especially in the last four to six months, I mean, really th throughout the summer, I, re I remember watching your posts of yourself exercising and even uh, looking to raise money for St. Jude, just like our collegiate members do, raising money for St. Jude and, and doing certain reps and certain exercises at the end of each week for those who donated 
you know, in your name to the cause? You know, how important was it to build this sense of community, whether it be the people you met at the gym or maybe friends who were spurring you on, family? How important was that in, in this in this process? So I appreciate the plug. That's awesome. Uh, I do do a fundraiser. Getting fit for the kids is every week for St. Jude or every two weeks now for St. Jude. And it's basically just a one-to-one -one match donation dollar per rep. Um, I appreciate that poke. Um, now in terms of like the community, right. Uh, that was huge. Uh, you could make the argument one over the other in terms of community and mentality. Um, I would say the community really is what, what got me through this last year and is, is helping me keep on moving, keep on pushing myself. Um, even more so now, uh, than of, of, uh, of, of recent, uh, last couple of months, but, um, having that community has really helped me be able to keep on pushing towards my goals because of the type of community that the fitness and nutrition community is, um, quite like Teak where we, you know, support one another, support our frauders, um, whether as collegiates, your, you know, your fellow classmates or, um, you know, folks from different chapters across the country, um, I've never met a teak that I haven't been able to support in some way or vice versa. Um, they've wanted to support me and in the fitness community, it really is the same, uh, same feeling. Um, you know, when talking about the fitness aspect, if somebody asked me, um, from like the fitness world about what I equate the, the community to, I quite often will equate it to teak. I think that's a, that's a, bit of a misconception at times. You mentioned how you weren't comfortable going to the gym at the beginning because you didn't want people to see you, right? You were embarrassed that you would go and people would look at, look down on you because you were at the gym and you weren't in shape, right? You weren't that traditional sense of fit when you first started, but, you know, can you talk a little more about the, the support that you were given and then how you've worked to pass that support on. And, you know, when you see someone in the gym, right, who's not in shape or who might be at the gym for their very first day, like how important it is to actually support that person, because that might be the difference between them coming back for day two or just going home and hanging it up. You know, I think people get, they psych themselves out. Right. But you, you've seen the opposite of that to be true. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And just, you know, kind of from my own perspective, my own, I guess, story, um, timing is key. If you're, you know, just starting off on a, on a fitness plan, nutrition plan, what have you, uh, if you don't see any kind of support at all within, you know, first couple of days, uh, you're, you're way more likely to, to kind of give up on it. And so, um, I happen to be, uh, to start by, um, downloading an app and, uh, and, and getting in touch with a coach and that coach got back to me and sent me a message and said, Hey, what's going on? Um, happy to work with you. Looking forward to, you know, um, the next couple of months, not expecting that I would go for a full plus year or more, uh, looking forward to the next couple of months and, uh, and working with you. I'm excited. Uh, and he was excited for me. And so, um, you know, if I hadn't had that, hadn't had somebody responding to me within 48, 72 hours or so, um, you know, I can't really say that I would have continued on with it. Not to, you know, me looking back on it now would say, yeah, I would have definitely gone on with it. But that's also 90 pounds ago me. 
probably would not have would not have stuck to it. Charlie, how has the the physical shift that you have made? How has that adjusted any goals that you have for yourself? How's it adjusted you personally? Uh, I believe now you've started to invest in yourself, even your education, and in, in, in you know how's it affected you professionally with your you know how has this affected the rest of your life besides just obviously the the physical shift, I can only imagine the feeling better, energy level, all that good stuff, but how's it changed every other aspect of your life? So I'm glad you asked that, that question in that way. Um, Cause Alex, you asked a question earlier about kind of what, what made me get started and what made me get going and really keep going. Um, and I think it ties kind of perfectly in. So, uh, and it ties perfectly into the fraternity. Um, I will tell you that when January, February came, uh, came around, my mentality, my mindset was, I want to say essentially dependent on my previous Teak resume, my previous resume with co-ops and internships during college. And so, you know, I kind of graduated school. Uh, it's a little bit more long-winded answer than you asked, but uh, uh, I kind of graduated school and, and, and came out and started working with Teak chapters with a little chip on my shoulder. And I relied on my previous resume to say, this is what I know here you go. Um, and I'd quite often walk into a meeting, um, make some promises and say that, you know, I'll get back to you and help you with X, Y, and Z. And then I wouldn't follow through. I wouldn't commit to anything. And so in January, February timeframe too, that's where I actually realized that is I'm kind of tired of acting like I know what I'm doing and committing to things and then not following through on them. And that was kind of, for me, the breakthrough in that regard to keep on going in like February, March timeframe, because I felt as though I wasn't fulfilling my full potential, my full commitment to not only fraternity, but everything else I was doing in life. And so after that, after it was right about the same time as RLC last year, um, after that, I started applying myself more within my own job role. I had already applied for a rotational leadership development program that, again, I just kind of relied on my previous resume to get into. Uh, but going into the actual interview process was uh, scary at first, but then realizing how much of a shift I'd already had at that point mentally, uh, I can, you know, uh, far and above say that the reason I got that job interview was because of the mental shift, or I got through that job interview and aced it per se. Um, was because of that mental shift that I had um, through the, the physical kind of transformation. One of the things I'm, I'm curious about is you've talked a few times about how you've, you've hit a goal, but you kept going, right? And you found that mental strength, that mental toughness to push through. I think one of the, frankly, one of the traps that I personally have fallen into, and I think is sort of human nature, as you set a goal, right? I'm going to lose 30 pounds, or maybe it's not physical. Maybe it's a, a work goal, or it's a personal goal in a, a personal relationship. We're going to do this. We're going to do that. I'm going to save this much money. And then you do it and, right, you celebrate. And by celebrate, you mean go gain 15 pounds because you hit your goal, so to speak, and lost your 30. And now you're, it's over, right? How have you kept on, right? I'm sure that you've hit different benchmarks throughout this process rather than saying, hey, I hit my goal, right? I'm, I'm good. I'm, I'm happy. I'm celebrating. Like I hit my goal. Here's my next goal. Here's my next goal. I'm going to keep fighting. I'm going to keep pushing. What has that thought process been like for you? Yeah. So, and kind of, kind of to that point of, you know, when you hit a goal, 
absolutely celebrate. Um, it's, it's funny you say it in that way, because, uh, uh, one of the, one of the guys that I've learned a ton from, um, his, his name's Andy Frisella. He says, one day you get one day to celebrate, you get 24 hours. That's it. After that, go and do what you got to do to accomplish the next goal. Um, outside of that, to answer your question, part of what my kind of revelation per se of not delivering on my commitments uh, for myself, without having been able to even put words to it, I would say from that point on in March was kind of the reason why I was continuing to move forward and the reason why uh, I decided to continue doing what I was doing, not only for myself, but for others. And that realization that I had in March, like I said, I couldn't put words to it. Uh, October, I sat down to develop a presentation, I was actually going to give it work. And I figured out what that kind of verbalization was. All said and done, that verbalization was, I was continuing to do this for me so that I could add value, period. I could add value to others. I could add value to myself, continue growing and improving and learning, uh, but also be able to add value to other people's lives in terms of help them with fitness, help them with nutrition, just overall mindset was that realization was being able to add value in whatever it was I do. So let's talk a little bit about that because from my layman's understanding and following you on social media, a little bit of relationship that we have, it, it appears now you are coaching, mentoring, you know, motivating folks to start their journey in much the same way that you had a coach who was helping you. Can you talk about that transformation, that process into now going from being coached, which let's be honest, no matter what type of leader we are, we're always being coached by somebody, but now really being a coach for other people and investing in their dreams and investing in their goals. It's, it's been a learning experience um, to say the least. Um, it really has been uh, uh, kind of, again, an awakening for me to, to understand that I can have an impact on other people's lives. And to kind of have that kind of responsibility is, is daunting. Um, but at the same time, uh, I, I feel comfortable in being able to do so because I've taken it on myself to, to learn more and do more and just kind of be of more value to myself and others. Uh, so I do coach uh, a handful of friends, family, uh, acquaintances, uh, teak fraternity brothers, um, et cetera, uh, co-workers and so on. And essentially coach fitness, nutrition, um, kind of based on my own experience and, and, and the points that I know, uh, as well as kind of the mindset side of things, uh, like, like we talked about here and uh, I've recognized for myself is my my mind's in a whole different place than I was a year, almost year and a quarter ago, you know, leaps and bounds different uh, in terms of where I was at with my mindset. And so I kind of use those different points to be able to, um, you know, explain and, and, and give my experience to, to, to the folks that I do work with. My last question is, is a continuation of what you just said. And it's what advice do you give people that are starting on that journey, whether it's somebody that's asked you to help them or somebody who's right listening to this podcast, who's maybe looking to make some changes in their life. Like what is that? What is that one or two points that you go to when somebody says, Hey, like I want to make the same changes you did. What, 
what piece of advice do you offer to get them started down that path? So aside from my, my earlier statement of just start, no matter how it, uh, how that start looks to you, um, just start, you know, the, the, the key, uh, I guess, focuses are protein and calories from the nutrition perspective. Uh, protein's your most important nutrient. So that's the one thing you, you really want to focus on and your calorie intake. Um, a lot of folks think that you just completely cut all your calories. Obviously you're eating way less. You're going to lose more. It's not necessarily the case. So, um, making sure you set yourself up with the proper amount of calories and, um, ask somebody that would know that answer. Um, after that you are embarking on a journey, give yourself a goal, uh, set kind of smaller goals in terms of where you want to be at certain gates uh, within uh, your, your overall journey and know that you're going to fail. You are going to fail. Um, how you get back up from that failure is truly what is going to determine um, how successful you are in the long term. And so that leads to a quote I quite often will use with, with my own folks that I, I work with and, and, and I've had used on me is control what you can control. Uh, if you do fail, you can decide to give up and not, not continue to go, go down the path that you were uh, working towards, or you can control the things that you messed up in, in, in failing. You can change those, you can adjust to those, you can learn from those and then move forward and continue down your path or adjust your path, but continue towards your success. You've accomplished so much in the past 14 months. What's next for Charlie Reagan? That is a loaded question. There's a lot there. Um, I have truly begun to take uh, my own coaching um, for others, for my group. We lovingly call it Team Reagan Smash. Um, I've started to, you know, to take that fairly seriously. Um, so really looking to, to work on growing and, and helping that group of people and, and those that come into it as much as I possibly can. Um, so from that perspective, just growing and, and helping, helping people better and helping more people. Um, from the professional perspective, I am actually in grad school now, uh, go Vols. Uh, grad school now in a aerospace defense MBA program. Uh, fast-paced program that uh, I'll be graduating from in a year that is directly linked to my current job, which is that operations leadership development program, uh, which I'll graduate from in about two and a half years now. And then fitness-related goal, uh, I will be running the St. Jude Marathon in December, all hoping that it's still going on at that point. I'll be running the St. Jude Marathon in December, uh, actually in the final weekend before I graduate from my grad school degree. Is, uh, that's quite the slate you got going on there. That's, uh, that's awesome. I mean, I'm obviously extremely proud of you and, and just seeing you and, and all you've accomplished, not just physically, but personally and, and professionally. And, and I, I also appreciate you taking the time to draw the parallels between what you learned from the fraternity and, and the lessons that T taught you and the lessons that you've taken away from this whole process. And, um, you know, it's, it's, it's always great to see people like you and, and alumni and volunteers and, and just, you know, Teeks everywhere going out and, and using what they learned as members of the fraternity to accomplish their goals and, and just 
smash it, Reagan smash it in various areas of life. So uh, <laughs> my, my hat is off to you. One thing you don't know, which we already talked about uh, in the previous part of the podcast is that I did eat six Raisin Cane's chicken fingers at 10 o'clock last night. So uh, just, you know, little late night snack. Um, you have inspired me to not do that tonight. So that's my first, my first step toward, uh, toward success. First step of many. Thank you. Good source of protein. Yeah, well, I mean, if you insist, if you insist, Charlie, to, to get that extra protein, then maybe maybe just three or four. You know what's great? I don't, I don't think Charlie is coaching you the way that he coaches the rest of his pupils right now, especially because he does know that you have already taken down a crawfish boil out, out the back of a, a trailer. <laughs> We won't get into that. You should have gone. I should have gone live from the craw from the crawfish trailer and just brought Teak Nation podcast on the road with Teak Nation. That's what this is. That's right. Pretty exciting. Any uh, any closing thoughts, Frater Ray? Well, uh, one one other thing before I give you the the stage to close it. Uh, as a Teak with the last name Reagan, you know how how's that worked out for you? I can tell you my chapter was very creative in creating my house name. It is Ronald. Oh, use I, it all the time. Wow. That's... Uh, quite often we'll call him uh, my great uncle Ronnie. Uh, so it's uh, it's a lot to uh, to live up to those those kind of expectations. Uh, but like I said, my goal is just to add value every day. And uh, if I can add enough value to uh, rival him, that would be fantastic. No actual relation, though, correct, for our, our listeners that you know of? Not known officially. Right. Not known officially. We'll uh, with, I, yeah. I want to say, like, you know, moms, cousins, etc. Of course. Who knows? Of course. Good deal. Any, any closing thoughts, anything outside of the Ronald Reagan comparisons that you want to close us down with? <laughs> yeah. Um, like I said, it, it, if you're, you're thinking about a journey – like the one I've had in the last year, year and a half now, and you're stuck, you're trying to figure out what to do. Um, like I said, just start. But if you don't know how to start, don't know what to do, don't know who to turn to, turn to anybody you think might have an answer and just just ask the question. Um, like I said, the fitness community is uh, super supportive, super involved, just like Teak is as a community for itself and for really for others. Um, just ask the question and you'll be surprised at who will want to help support you and help you get moving forward to, you know, drive, drive towards the success that you want to see. Awesome. Well, I can't thank you enough uh, for the time here, for your wisdom, for your knowledge, for everything you do for the fraternity outside of this podcast, which um, there's a lot more there and the time that you spend with our groups and at RLCs and uh, you're, you're very involved in, and I appreciate that knowing how much other stuff you have going on with uh with your your fitness journey with your grad school program with your job um you do a lot for teak and and i really appreciate it and, and thank you for that my friend so um with that we will uh we'll let you go and uh we'll talk again soon thanks charlie, charlie. thanks for having me on Thanks again to Charlie and all of the, the wisdom and knowledge that he just shared. Again, as we said at the beginning, hopefully something there will, will spark an idea in your mind. I know it's really the number one area that most people wish they were better at is, is taking care of themselves, whether it's how they eat, how they exercise, how they lift, how they run. And, and if you can take a, a little nugget or two away from, from Charlie's journey, 
uh, hope, hope you're able to do so. Well, I know you've heard me talk about Les Brown once or twice in, in your tenure. Twice. Yeah. Two, two times. Yep. Right. Once or twice. And Les Brown really focuses on the thought of it's possible. And that's the first thing you have to tell yourself. It's possible for you to have, to have that type of lifestyle, for you to have the body that you want, for you to have the mind that you want, for you to have the job that you want. But you know, right. It, it is possible. It's the first thing you have to tell yourself. Then you start crafting that path to how you're going to make it come to fruition. So Charlie is just an example of someone who said it's possible and then took off one day at a time and charted his progress. And obviously he didn't turn into the, the person he is right now a year ago. That, that was a day by day journey. And it's that, it's that long-term thought process versus, versus the short-term process. I was reading a book that I just completed called The Exceptionals. And in that book, they talk about one of the hardest things in life is to visualize your future self and keep that person in mind all the time, looking at that vision of that future person that you're doing this for, whether it's reading books or starting a business or recruiting or right exercising, all those things, you envision that person. That's really what you got to focus on versus that short term. I'm going to take the day off and, you know, veg out or finding reasons why you don't need to read that book or whatever it is that you need to go accomplish, put the work in to, to get your business started, all, the, all those good things. Yeah, not eat raisin canes at 10 o'clock at night, something something like that, for example, perhaps. You gotta treat yourself, you just can't treat yourself every single day, so. Someday. Yeah, I'm probably, probably gonna avoid the, the cane sauce tonight, so uh, it was it was nice, nice little Sunday snack. Um, yeah, the only thing, only last thing I'll add is it really is, you know, just do the, the little bit of running that I do. It's so much more mental than it is physical. It's so, it's so much more about convincing yourself to put your shoes on and put your shorts on and grab your headphones and take the first step out the door. Right. And once you do that, like it's, 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 it's almost easy. And it, I know the same way when you get up, right. You wake up early, right. To, to actually drag yourself out of bed. Right. And then step by step. But then once you, once you get, once you get a couple of small wins and by small wins, I mean like putting your shoes on or letting your feet hit the floor from your bed, then it just flows, but it's that you have to have that, that mental capacity to, to take that first step. And it's not just, right. It's not just physical fitness. It's that way. If you're, if you're trying to go get a job, right. Like go and up updating your resume can seem daunting, but if like the first step of just opening your laptop, okay, now I go to Microsoft word. Okay, great. Like those couple little wins and then you get flowing and, and then you got a brand new resume and you're applying to jobs and and maybe you land something that you never thought you could have because you took those first couple of steps because you convinced yourself to do it. That's the key. It's, it's all the mentality. Yeah. You mentioned you know, folks ask me all the time how I get up at four forty in the morning to train every day. And I tell them as soon as the alarm hits, turn and put your feet on the floor. And especially in the winter time, it's really easy because it's free. The floor is freezing, right? So turn and put your feet on the floor and get going and, the amazing thing about routine that we build in our lives, and you know this, is once you start to build a routine, then it becomes what you do and who you are. So I actually can't imagine what it would be like not to get up and train at that part of the day, the way it makes you feel, the way it sets you up for the day. It's, uh, it's one of those pieces where it's gone from something that used to be pretty laborious to now something that you get excited for to get up and train the next morning and get your day going the right way. All right. Another award-winning episode of the Teak Nation podcast. We've knocked it out. Good work today. 
Uh, appreciate everyone listening. Make sure to subscribe. I mean, you know the you know the spiel by this point. Subscribe on Google or Spotify or uh, download or smash. You got to smash the like button. Just smash, 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 um, and uh, and tell your friends. Get get one other person to listen to the Teak Nation podcast, and before you know it, exponentially the whole world will be our listening audience, or at least half the world. It's like the old recruitment adage. Every guy get a guy, right? I mean, that's what we've all been taught. That's right. Tell a friend. All right. Or a gal at this point. Yeah, it could be anyone. Maybe a child, maybe a small child. No, no, no. We thought thought Eric T was a six-year-old. Possibly, we found out he's actually an employee at St. Jude who's a Tink alum. Oh, yeah. Eric T did uh, email me and apologize for putting, uh, putting Once Upon a Time in Hollywood in the worst movie ever category. At least that's the way I choose to look at it. I think what he actually did. I think what he actually did was he apologized for hurting my feelings, which is Eric a T, different. Eric T is a good man. He's a good. We've been. I've been able to meet him down there at St. Judy's. Good dude. That was a that was a fun interaction. We're we're lucky to have Eric out there, engaging with our podcast, and then uh, caring enough to send an email explaining his position. So we had it out. We walked away. We're good friends now. All is well. Thank you guys for listening. Thank you to Charlie. Thank you to Zach. Thank you to Santos for his guest appearance. He's somewhere around here. Um, and, uh, and we'll catch you guys next week. See ya.